You are listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Luke chapter 2, begin with verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went up to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the town of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn, a son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold... An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Father God, thank you that your word is true and powerful. And God, forgive us when stories this familiar begin to lose their wonder because of how familiar they've become. And God, we pray that today and throughout this season that you would awaken the wonder of the beauty of what we've just read and the significance that it has, not just for all of humankind, but for us individually. That we would be awakened to the reality that you stepped out of the comfort of heaven and into the cruelty of earth, and you did so because you deeply loved us and wanted to make things right that we had made wrong. And Father, I pray that today, as we once again revisit this powerful, meaningful story that split history in two, that you would speak to us, God, that we would see you clearly and that we would understand 
the true meaning of why you came and what you've done. And God, use this time to change lives, to open up our hearts and minds, to be ready to receive from you whatever it is you have. And we will give you all the honor and glory forever and ever as we watch you work and bring people to hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people declare together, amen, amen. Would you give him a shout of praise this morning? Let me hear you, church. Good morning. Hey, turn around and greet somebody, give them a hug, a high five, a handshake or something, and then you may be seated. Tell somebody you love them, greet somebody, welcome them into church this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, I see that you survived Snowmageddon 2017. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? We live in North Carolina where one snowflake causes the entire state to go into a frenzy. If you bought milk and bread, what is wrong with you? Like it was not going to be that bad. Uh, we are glad that you're here. Welcome to Venice Church. Uh, my name is Matt, and I get the honor of being one of the pastors today. Um, it was weird not having a 9 o'clock service, and some of y'all looking at each other and didn't even realize y'all attended the same church. So it's good to be together as the family of God today and to study God's Word. Uh, it, there are different types of people when it comes to Christmas. There are some of y'all, we call you freaks, that at the stroke of midnight on Halloween, you were pulling the Christmas decorations out of the attic. Who are those people? We're not, we're not going to judge you, but no, we're going to judge you. There are some people like you are replacing jack-o'-lanterns with Santa Claus, like on, on the night of Halloween. It's so, so funny. And then there are those people that like you're just kind of anti-Christmas. Um, and I get it. You know, I, it's funny. I have conversations. There's, again, there's those people that you're Christmas freaks. And there's different reasons why you get so excited about Christmas and different things that are going on that get you excited about Christmas. And then there's those people like, like you are the Grinch on steroids. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's interesting as to why we land there. But I had a conversation with a guy the other day, and we were talking about Christmas. And, and he was like, you know, I just, I just don't like it. I hate it. I even used that word, like, I hate Christmas. And I was like, oh, okay. And it was, I was like, well, tell me, you know, what's the deal? And, and, and I said, you know, it's so commercialized, and, and everybody spends too much money, and all these different things just went through all the lists. That, and you know what? When you see Christmas the way he saw Christmas, I wouldn't like it either. But then he made this statement, like, we spend too much money. We, there's expectations. And then he said this, this, this phrase. And I hear this phrase said a lot, but it is what it is. Anybody ever heard that statement? We said that statement. Come on, interact with me, church. Amen? Like, we've said that statement. And can I just be honest with you? The more I hear the statement, that, the more I dislike it. It is what it is. Like, I'm almost resigned to the fact of, like, there's nothing you can do about it. That Christmas is awful, but it is what it is. And now, I know there are some times when we have to say that in circumstances and in situations that are out of our control that we can't fix or change. But can I just be honest? Most of the things in our lives, it is what you make it. Amen, somebody? Like, it is what you make it. It is how you choose to see it. And you can go through this season saying it is what it is, or you can choose to see it for what it really is. 
And that's my goal. And that's kind of what we do around here at Christmas is to try to get us to focus back in on what is really happening at this season. That passage of scripture that I opened up with is one that you're very, very familiar with. Like you've, you've heard it so much. It is crazy how the more familiar something becomes, the less wonder it seems to have. Like when you've seen certain things frequently and often and heard certain things so much, familiarity breeds contempt. And it's almost like we hear that story and, and yeah, and, and all of a sudden, probably when I read that story, it connects to certain memories that you have. Like some of you, like you hate Christmas because of the Christmases that you've experienced throughout your lifetime. Like you've walked through Christmas after Christmas and they've been hard or tough. And some people I get like, this is going to be the first Christmas. The first Christmas since the divorce. The first Christmas without them. And so it's really easy for the beauty and meaning and power and wonder of this season to get buried beneath all that stuff, isn't it? Amen? And so what I hope that you will find as you come to church for the next few weeks that God will move among us to help us to kind of peel back the layers, to dig through the stuff and the junk and the mess that this season can become and see the true wonder and beauty of what we are celebrating through this season. Did you notice in verse 15, Luke chapter 2 verse 15, this, this word jumped out at me as I read this passage and as I prepared to kind of move us into this Christmas season says the shepherds said, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Like they just got this announcement that, hey, guess what? The Savior that you for generations have been waiting for, he's come. And this is where he is, and this is how you can find him. And this, this, this announcement that has been centuries in the making has now unfolded. And once they hear this news, they say, let us go and see it. Let's go and see it. See, they couldn't see it from where they were. They had to go and look for it. See, some of you this Christmas, you won't see it for what it is if you're not willing to go look for it because you can't see it from where you are. You can't see it buried in the bitterness of whatever this season is bringing to your life. And like, I know there are people within the sound of my voice, 2017, hardest year of your life. Most difficult things you've ever had to navigate. I know I've had the conversations with you. I've sat across from you, many of you, and watched as the enemy has wreaked havoc and you've had to kind of go through all these things. And you can't see it from there. You can't see the beauty of this season from that place of of bitterness or anger or frustration or whatever it is that you seem to be. And you, like the shepherds, you're going to have to get up from that place. And you're going to have to go look for it. And what this season will be, yeah, you can say it is what it is, or you can make the decision to go and look for it. And it's funny how important it is for this season to be all that God wants it to be, you're going to have to fix your focus. And if you're not careful, if you're not willing to see it, you will miss it. It's funny what we miss if we're not looking for it. Right? 
And what I'm going to challenge you to do is, is walk through this season with, with a new awareness. So why don't we take a little awareness test just to see how good we all are at that. Everybody, put your eyes on the screen for just a minute. Okay, on the count of three, yell out the answer. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. Gorilla. <laughs> How many said 13? How many of you are like, I had like 74, I don't know. <laughs> All right, what's the answer? Okay, give it up for the people that, that focus. But there was one person that saw something that probably most of us did not see, but was kind of off a little bit. Check this out. Did you see the moonwalking bear? Okay, now let's be honest again. How many, let's just do it like this. How many missed the moonwalking bear? Who, who saw the moonwalking bear? Who had never seen this before and saw the moonwalking bear? Cheaters. <laughs> I love the last line though. It says, you notice what it says? It's easy to miss what you're not looking for. It is easy to miss what you're not looking for. And this Christmas, like, you can, you can miss the beauty and wonder and power and love of who God is and what he's doing and what he wants to do in your life if you're not looking for it. And it's so easy right now in this position, in this place, and in this season for us to walk through, once again, another Christmas and miss out on the true beauty and meaning of it. And I know that life kind of wants to drown that out. So I want to, to start by challenging you to do Two things. Number one, make a decision to slow down. Make a decision to slow down. It's funny what you miss when you're in a hurry. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's funny. Like if you, I mean, my daughter has this kind of thing where she loves to look out the window. Like she, she sits in the back seat like this, just watching everything go by. Like, that's how she goes. I mean, it doesn't matter if we're going, like, just down the street or if we're driving all over the river and through the woods to Grandmother's house. She sits like that, and, she'll, and every now and then she'll be like, Daddy, did you see that? What? It's like, did you see that? I was like, and she's always, she, she, she doesn't miss a thing. And I'm thinking, baby, I'm driving the speed limit like a good, responsible dad. <laughs> and I'm keeping my eyes, I'm at 10 and 2, with my eyes focused clearly on your safety, baby. But she sees everything. But you know what? If you're not looking for it and you're moving in a hurry, and you, the, the more hurried you live, the, more e the easier it is to miss the small things. Come on. 
So I want to challenge, challenge you to do something this season. Make a decision to slow down. And I know you're thinking, Matt, dude, you're asking me to slow down in one of the busiest times of the year. I know, like, the demand ramps up around Christmas. You have all these things to do, all these parties to go to with people that you don't like and gifts you got to buy for people that you don't like. And all these things kind of happening around your life. And, you know, what? can I tell you something? That's one reason why, as a church, we try to slow it down this season. We are so busy as a church during October because it's our Live Love Vision Series. And then we are super busy during November because of all the Thanksgiving meals and that kind of stuff. And one reason why we intentionally kind of take December and we kind of just slow it down a little bit is because we know that there are more demands on your life probably during the month of December than in any other month of, of your life. And the last thing we want to do is create a more hectic thing for you and your life. That's one reason why we give our, our volunteers a gift every, every year about this time. On Sunday the 24th, we're not going to have services in this room. <gasps> How can you not have church on Jesus' birthday? First of all, like, it's very unlikely that Jesus' real birthday was December 24th or 25th. And so we just think, let's celebrate Jesus every day and just get over it. You know what I'm saying? So um, we're gonna, instead of doing services on that Sunday when you've got families and dinners and all that kind of stuff, we are going to offer an online experience for you to get up and, and, and go online and have, we'll still have church, we just won't have it here. Because church will be wherever you make it that morning, come on, that's the whole, I can preach that sermon right now. You will get up that Sunday, and you will have church as a family. You can go online, and there's going to be live worship. There's not going to be live worship, but recorded worship and a teaching, a teaching from me that, that Sunday morning. And instead, we're going to do two services on that Friday night, the 22nd. We're going to do a 530 and a 730. And we encourage you to come and worship, and we just want to clear up your schedule for that weekend and give our volunteers a Sunday off so they can slow down and actually focus on the real meaning that, of what happened this time of year and just center in on the fact that the, their God came, became a man so that they could have life. That's what we want to do. Make a decision to slow down. And again, I know you're saying, I'm so busy. Busy, this is what, busy is an issue of schedule. Hurried is a decision of spirit. Come on. Busy is an issue of schedule. Hurried is a position of spirit. We can't control how busy we are anymore. Amen? Like, we just can't. We're all busy. Everybody's busy. Like, we got toddlers in the nursery. They busy. Like, everybody's busy. And it's, no one is immune to it, no matter your age or position in life. But just because you're busy don't mean you have to be hurried. Like, you can make a decision within your spirit that I'm just going to slow down. And I'm going to savor the moments of this season. And I'm going to enjoy it. Make a decision to slow down. The second thing is this. Make a choice to see through. Make a choice to see through all the junk that can get in the way of you seeing Christmas for what it really is. Fix your focus. You get to choose what you see. Can we all permit me to say a really cheesy preacher line? I'm going to say it anyway, so go ahead and give me permission. What I see is up to me. What I see is up to me. That what I choose to see during this season will be up to me. I can choose to see it as this busy, commercialized, spending too much money, too much focus on Santa Claus, 
and all these other things. Or I can choose to see through all those things that attempt to be a distraction for me during this season and see the reality of what God has really done in becoming a man in the form of a baby so that I could have life. Make, make a decision to see through all that stuff. And what I want to challenge you to do is, is, is one specific symbol of Christmas we're going to kind of focus on, on the next, over the next couple of weeks. There's one specific symbol of Christmas that I think every time I see it, 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 it's the symbol that reminds me of the true meaning of this season. And it's the Christmas tree. I love, I love Christmas trees. Like, I'm one of those people, like, I could put mine up on, on October 31st, but I choose not to because my wife won't let me. <laughs> but I love the Christmas tree. And, and like, the, it, it's probably the most iconic uh, symbol of Christmas, right? I mean, we could go through all the lists and that kind of stuff, but, but everybody, as a matter of fact, there are, there are crazy numbers, like 250 million trees are sold every year. It's, Christmas trees have become one of the staple symbols of Christmas, and it's probably going to be of all the symbols. Like, you're going to walk into a home, and you may not see a lot of the things that you have because it looked like Christmas thrown up in your living room, but trees are everywhere. And I want to challenge you to see through just this another simple symbol of Christmas and allow it to have a new meaning in your life. I, I, I love Christmas trees. Uh, my favorite Christmas tree to, to go put my eyes on is the, is the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center. And th- uh, that's me and my family. Last year, we decided we were going to do a trip every other year instead of buying uh, a bunch of presents that nobody needs and just go somewhere as a family because memories last longer than toys. And so that, that's the, one of the most famous Christmas trees in all the world. But a tree is such a beautiful symbol of this season. Because it, re- it represents, it embodies everything that Jesus came to do. And what I want to challenge you to do in order to, to see through the layers of all the junk, in order to find the true meaning of the Christmas season, is when you see a tree, I want you to do t- two things. Number one, see a reminder of why he came. That when you see a Christmas tree, when you see a tree, you see a reminder of why he came. Because the reality was it, it is because of a tree that created the need for Jesus to come into the world. Go back to Genesis Chapter 3, do you remember this part of the story? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4 says, You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, Genesis 3, 4. says, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it then. The eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. See, when you see a tree, you can see a reminder of why Jesus had to come. 
because it was the temptation of a tree that created the need for him to step out of heaven and onto earth. See, the world that you experience right now is not the one that God originally created. God, Adam and Eve lived in perfect communion and intimacy with God, and he set them up in this beautiful place. But because he loves us so much, he gave us the opportunity to choose him. That He wanted this authentic love relationship between us and him, and authentic love will always be chosen. So he said there's one tree of all the things that are here. You, you can have your fill, you can have your fun, you can enjoy all this, but there's one tree, and of it you must not eat because it will open your eyes to things. And up until this moment, they had lived in intimacy with God. That Jesus-shaped hole that you hear me talk about, that God-shaped hole in your heart you hear me talk about so often, it wasn't created yet. And then the enemy, who himself had been separated from God and wanted to make sure that everybody was separated from God so, he could feel, so we could feel the pain that he feels not knowing that intimate relationship, steps onto the scene and does what he does. And convinces us that God didn't say something that he clearly said. It's funny how it's been thousands of years and his tactics haven't changed very much, have they? Because God didn't say that. God just doesn't want you to be like him. God doesn't want that. And the mistake was made. Sin was brought into the world. And in that moment, that intimacy with God was severed. The fruit of a tree. And now God could have said, well, oh well. I warned them. I told them. I couldn't have been any clearer. See, if you keep reading the story, the next thing is, is God steps in and says, Adam and Eve, where are you? And Adam and Eve, for the first time ever, feel the need to hide from God. And in that moment, God's perfect reality was broken. Sin had come into the world. And now the intimacy that man got to have with God was severed. And there was nothing that they could do to make it right. But God had already had a plan in motion. See, Scripture tells us that even before that happened, even though God knew that would happen, that God had already set in motion a plan to redeem it. That God didn't want to exist apart from us. That God loved us so much that even knowing that we would make that decision created us anyway and set forth a plan in motion that would continue to be realized when Jesus was born in that stable on that fateful night. See, every time you see a tree, you can remember why he had to come. You can see a reminder of your greatest need. That you, like Adam and Eve, I, like Adam and Eve, have done things that have been contrary to what God wanted for us. Scripture tells us that for all have sinned, and falling short of God's glory. Like we've all made that same decision. We've all had a moment or moments in our lives when we looked at God and said, God, I know you said this, but I'd rather go this way. Amen, somebody? We've all had moments when we let the enemy get the best of us, and we've given in to temptation, and we've made those similar decisions to act in ways that are contrary to God. And so when you see a tree, it is a great reminder of why he came, why he had to come. And the beauty about a tree is not only can you, can, can you see a reminder of why he came, you can also see a reminder of what he did. See, Jesus didn't stay in the manger. Somewhere around 33 years later, 
He went to a cross. And 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. See, when you look at a tree, you can see a reminder of, of why he came. You see a reminder of the need that you have for a Savior, that something was broken and God didn't leave it that way. He made the conscious decision to choose to fix it. And it says, by his wounds we have been healed. That he went to a cross, he just as sin entered the world in that moment when we chose to make the decision to step out of God's boundaries and ignore his best. When Jesus came into this earth, when Jesus was brought to this planet, he had one mission. To take our penalty. To close that gap that, that had existed throughout time between us and God. The gap that sin created. God said, I don't want that gap to continue. I don't want that gap to, to be forever. And the only way to fix it is for God to become a man in the form of Jesus and walk this planet and experience the pain and earth. That we serve a God who knows what it's like to have dirt under his feet. That knows what it's like to experience life on this planet. And who was the one and only sacrifice for what Adam and Eve broke. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the spirit that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment, flowed from, judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man... Death reigned through that one man. And I love this. How much more? How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. See, when you see a Christmas tree, you can choose just to see some other weird, pointless, man-made symbol of some holiday that has lost all its meaning. You can make that decision. You can choose to see it that way this year. Or you can make a decision to see through all that tradition and all those layers and all that commercialism and all that other stuff that tends to hide the beauty and real meaning of this season. And when you see a tree, and my hope is that when you leave this place today, every time you see a Christmas tree, you see it in a different light. That you see a reminder of why he came 
that we had broken this creation that God had made perfect, that we had been made separate from God because sin had entered the world and broken us, and we had no longer been able to experience intimacy with God. And you can see a reminder of what he did, that God loved you enough that he refused to allow you to exist apart from him. That he so desperately wanted a relationship with you that he did the only thing that could be done to make it right. He stepped out of the comfort of heaven and into the cruelty of earth. And he walked as a man and he went to a cross and paid a penalty so that all those mistakes that you and I have made didn't have to keep us separated from him any longer. And when he hung on that cross, on that tree, and gave up his life, everything that was needed for you to be forgiven was done. So how will you see it? How will you see this season? Will you let another Christmas go by caught up in all the junk and busyness and distractions? Or will you allow these next few weeks as we celebrate the birth of our Savior for it really to be reminded once again of all that God has done for you? See, there's some people in the room, like you're, I'm preaching the gospel right now. And for some of you, that story has become so familiar. You've been saved too long. You, you, you've forgotten who you were, and you've forgotten all that Jesus has done for you. And you, and you say, I, I, Matt, I'd like a little something deeper this Christmas. There's nothing deeper than the reality that God gave his life for you. There's nothing more powerful and life-changing and, and altering in your life than that reality. And if you've accepted that and if that has lost the wonder on you, God forgive you because it is the most important thing that you have ever done. The greatest decision that you will ever make or have ever made is to see Jesus for who he really is. Not just a baby in a manger, but a savior on a throne. And if that's you, I hope that throughout this season as you walk in and out of this church over the next couple weeks, that the, the wonder and beauty of that is revived in your spirit. But I also know there are people within the shout of my voice right now that maybe you've never made that decision. And the greatest thing that you can ever do in order for this season to be all that it needs to be is to allow yourself, maybe for the very first time, to awaken to the wonder that God became a man And gave up his life so that you could have it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Let me address a couple people in the room. If you're here today, you say, Matt, at some point, I've just allowed myself to lose sight of the beauty and wonder of what God has done for me. And Matt, would you just pray that as I move throughout this Christmas season that I would be awakened to that. That I would be reminded, yeah, I accepted him long ago. 
for this season. Matt, just pray that I'm, I will see him once again. And I will feel once again what I felt in that moment, that day that that decision was made and when it happened, that, that God loved me so much that he stepped out of heaven and dealt with all the things he dealt with and gave up his life so that I could have it. If, if that's what you're praying this morning, would you just throw up your hand so I can pray for you? Throw up your hand and just leave it up for a minute. Matt, help me to see it for what it is, to appreciate it for what it is, to understand it for what it, what it needs to be, to awaken the wonder of what it is that God wants or has done for me. Amen. Amen. You can put them down. Or maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Matt, I've never made that decision. I've never really allowed myself, like I've been to church and I've heard this story and I've kind of somewhat believed and I know Jesus is... The, these things and those things, but I've never owned him for myself. Here's the reality. There comes a point when every person has to make that decision for themselves. Going to church doesn't get you into heaven. Owning a Bible doesn't get you into heaven. The only way to be forgiven of your sins is to accept what Jesus has done on the cross. And if you've never done that and you want to do that today, it's a really simple thing to do. Scripture tells us, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. So you just say, Jesus, I, be I believe in you. I believe in what you did for me. I accept your sacrifice. I want you to save me. And I want to begin a relationship with you. If you're saying that prayer in your heart and mind right now, would you just throw your hand up so I can pray for you? Throw it up and leave it up. Amen. Amen. Leave them up. Leave them up because I don't want to miss them. Amen. 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 You can put them down. Father God, I pray for every hand that went up in this room today, Lord. God, I ask that you would speak to hearts and minds. God, for those of us who have known you and been walking with you so long that it's lost sometimes the wonder and the power that it's supposed to have. That every day we get to wake up and we don't walk through this life alone. But we walk in intimacy with the one who created us and we're able to do that because the things that stood between us and you were dealt with when Jesus hung on that tree. And God, help that never to be so familiar that it loses its wonder. Help us, God, to never just see that as some ordinary, average thing, but help us to be awakened to the beauty and power of it and walk in it every single day of our lives. And Father God, I pray for the ones who today, who threw up their hands, accepting you for the very first time, we celebrate that decision and we ask that your spirit move in on those lives. Take up residence in their heart, God, and help them to see how awesome and powerful it is to know you and live with you and walk with you, God. And God, we thank you that as we walk throughout this season, God, help us to look beyond what tradition says about these symbols like trees. God, that in a tree, it embodies start to finish. The why and the what. Why you had to come and what you did to fix what has been broken. And God, help us to never see a Christmas tree the same, but to be moved by what we see. Help us to see through it, and God, help us to slow down and allow you to speak to our hearts, and we will praise you. We will praise the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus, the name, the only name by which we can be saved. It's in that name that we pray. 
Amen. Will you stand and worship with us this morning? Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.